Climate Action News one-on-one, brought to you by We Don't Have Time and A Sustainable Tomorrow. My name is Katarina Rolf-Stotter-Jansson, and I am the host of this program. Jan Eliasson is a Swedish diplomat who has served in many roles at the UN and was Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations in 2012 to 2016. Currently, he is the chair of the CIPRI Governing Board. Jan Eliasson, it's, a, it's great to have you here on this program. You have an extensive experience of conflicts, of major conflicts in the world. How would you say, um, we can? what lessons can we learn, if any, from how we handle the COVID-19 crisis? Thank you very much for inviting me to this uh, conversation on a very important subject, uh, which is uh, what kind of uh, world do we want to live in uh, after Corona, post-Corona? And I think we should devote a lot of energy now to that subject and already ask us questions like the one you posed to me about uh, what lessons to be learned. I could go on for a long time, but I will just briefly make some points. One is, of course, the uh, fundamental point that we live in a world of interdependence. You can't anymore divorce home from abroad. International and national issues come together. And we have to see this as a sign and signal that for future problems into areas like climate, migration, and so forth, we need to work together and we need to strengthen the international cooperation. Another lesson to be learned is evidently that we have to be better prepared, that we have to uh, think in advance of worst case scenarios, and that we, when those worst case scenarios occur, are ready to move and not wake up to uh, confusion and causing lots of suffering for a lot of people. Uh, There are so many other things you can learn from this experience, but I think the main thing is to see the interdependence and to be better prepared for the future, uh, and particularly for the the global issues, global problems. Thank you very much. Um, You are a very strong advocate for the Sustainable Development Goals. How would you say the work with the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, is affected by the pandemic? Well, in the short perspective, judging from the attention to the issue, understandably, of the coronavirus, uh, they have come a little bit in the background. Uh, We don't refer anymore with the same intensity to the issues related to the sustainability SDGs, the global goals, and even climate has come in in the background. But I think all the time we should keep in mind that this agenda remains. Once the pandemic is over, and I hope it will occur sooner than pessimists think, we will have to face how we work with the uh, global issues, how we really uh, drastically, I would say, move in the direction of better sustainability and really making a huge effort to reach the goals set up in the uh, Paris Agreement of 2015. What I want to say very clearly is that we have already an action plan for the climate agreement. People seem to forget that the sustainable development goals that we negotiated for four and a half years, and I was there all the time for that negotiation, are in fact the action plan for achieving the Paris Agreement. They are both a tool to repair the world and also sort of a survival kit for humanity. 
And these 17 goals, uh, particularly if you add the 169 targets, is like a great menu, a great to-do list, which not only is a practical tool to move in the right direction of sustainability and fighting climate change, but they are also uh, a very clear and concrete tool to use in our daily life. And it, by that, lifts us from a hopelessness that is looming and which people have to fight. We have to fight the fact that people say it's too big. Uh, the, the world is going down. We need to have hope. And hope is achieved by the clarity and concreteness of those goals. Would you say there is any momentum right now? Um, we see a lot of articles and, and speeches about building back better. Uh, the European New Green Deal is talked a lot about these days on how to, to really, when you restart the society, to be more uh, environmentally conscious. I'm glad you uh, mentioned the term build back better. When I was under Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs, we had that as a rule after earthquakes and landslides that had hit and killed so many people, we always said to the government in question and to the international organizations that we have to build back better. And I think exactly those three Bs should be applied to the discussion we have now. What lessons did we learn from the excesses or the negative sides of some aspects of globalization? Did the, do the big gaps hurt us? And, and do, do they make the... Make the uh, the world not a safer place. Uh, how sustainable are we really? Uh, the corona crisis could be a wake-up call to really realize that we can move rather drastically and, and in a very credible way uh, for a phenomenon like the pandemic of corona. But equally, we should have the same energy for dealing with climate change and other global issues. So I, I would say that we are reminded of the strength that is, the potential strength that is there waiting for us to use. And then, of course, there are some aspects that are very concrete. When we are asked in our part of the world to wash our hands, we should be reminded that 700, over almost 800 million people don't have water to <laughs> clean their hands in. And when we are asked here in this part of the world to uh, work from home, from our computers, that is very, very unrealistic to bring out in most of the countries in Africa, Asia, and many parts of Latin America. So we need now to really uh, take this as a starting point for asking fundamental questions about the kind of world and the kind of countries we want to live in. Thank you. I know you're also a very strong uh, advocate for collaboration, cross-border collaboration between different sectors and society. What would you say? Uh, how could we build back better together right now? How do we, how do we really utilize our common differences and diversities uh, to, to really do this uh, in a better, more sustainable way? I'm very grateful, Katharina, that you raised that question because I'm almost obsessed with the fact that if we want to really make progress in today's world, and this goes for climate change, it goes for, for the SDGs, it goes for the pandemics, is that we need to mobilize all good forces horizontally, if I may demonstrate this way, instead of silo-wise. The silos are very important because you bring there together the specialists and they should be 
professional and the best in the field, of course. But they should realize, we should realize, we in the silos, that we can only achieve change and results if we work together horizontally. And that means that international organizations like UN and its agencies are one actor, governments is another, parliament is a third, the private sector is a tremendously strong fourth actor, civil society is a fifth actor, the scientific and academic world is a seventh, well, it could go on. And it's only when we realize that when we put the problem in the center and form ourselves around that problem and identify the problem from different directions and from different strengths, then we can achieve results. We could achieve an informal or formal division of labor, and we could uh, also help this sense of hopelessness that I mentioned earlier mm. to not appear, because it shows that nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something, mm. and that there's always an actor that has some positive asset to bring to the table. So if we can achieve that, we also achieve something else, namely a vitalization of democracy and the vitalization of international institutions. Because it shows that you cannot do anything alone. You need to bring all the actors in on all levels. And by that, you get a sense of inclusion around the problem. It's not something you just refer to the government or the institutions. And by that, you also achieve something in the area of, of trust in institutions and trust in each other. So I think one of my best experiences from work many years in government and in the United Nations, is that if we switch from a, from a vertical approach, a silo approach, to a horizontal approach, that takes care of all the consultant studies of how to improve the effectiveness of any organization. And uh, you're onto something very important. I think this program and the ideas that you pursue by reaching out in this way is a step in that direction. Well, thank you very much. I have one final question. Um, in this program, we focus obviously a lot about on climate and climate leadership. What is climate leadership to you? And do you have any good examples of climate leadership to share? Well, uh, climate leadership is, of course, crucial. But I think the, the secret to really achieve change is that 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 leadership should embrace as many as, as possible. It's easy for me to, of course, as a Swede, to, to remind you of the name Greta, a schoolgirl who was sitting uh, in front of a rainy uh, building and rain was falling and uh, I felt so sorry for her. And now she's uh, been waking up millions of people. Mm. That's leadership. That's leadership. But it's also leadership that that builds on science and builds on the facts that have been established through scientific work. And I think we need in this world particularly to think about the sanctity of facts and the sanctity of truth, because we are sliding on that so much. They, uh, there is no difference between facts and alternative facts to some. There's no, not even a difference between lies and, and truth to some. So therefore, I think uh, the uh, leadership that creates that sense of achieving results and brings around it the popular and, and broad support necessary is the kind of leadership we need. And I would hope, of course, that uh, United Nations, as the organization that was created after the ashes of the Second World War, to make the point that 
the word together is the most important word in the world, that the United Nations can play that role. But on the other hand, I have come to the conclusion that you can't just point to someone else, someone high up, some international organizations, the government. It's only when it's felt in your own bones and it is a reality for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, and you get that energy out. So uh, I would hope very much for the strength of civil society, of organizations that work informally, but also uh, I would hope that this also leads to a vitalization of democracy and that the uh, movement of this kind, which is embraced by so many, would be a way also to make the point that we only together can achieve results and change the direction of the world. And maybe the pandemic of of Corona is a reminder of us to realize that we have to do something rather serious. We have to change change a way of thinking that we live, we have lived for so long time exploiting the mother earth. And now we need to realize that we are part of everything living. And that it's about time that we make peace, not only as I have done in my life between countries and parties to conflicts, but also we need to make peace with nature, that we are part of nature. Everything living is, is secret, whether it is animals, whether it is rain, rainforests, or whether it is you, of course, first of all, I should have mentioned human beings. But if we can have that, then we perhaps touch upon something which I hope can be achieved, namely a stepping stone from the corona crisis to the climate, uh, climate change uh, decisions that will have to be taken. But it's going to be uphill. Because there are so many forces now that try to paint the outside world as the enemy, as the problem, demonization of the outside, whether it is merchandise or ideas or people. And that will be a tough fight. And we have to be very strong in our arguments for the kind of world that we want to see, which builds on international cooperation and openness. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights, Jan Eliasson, and for being part of the program. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be part of the solution into creating a more sustainable world, please join the We Don't Have Time community on the web, on the app, We Don't Have Time. And if you are living in Scandinavia, you can also join the a Sustainable Tomorrow community at we don't have, a sustainabletomorrow.org. Thanks for watching, and I'll be back with a new program next week. Bye-bye. Coming up next week, Jakob Trollbeck is the designer of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He is founder of Trollbeck & Company in New York and the new division in Stockholm, a company dedicated to strategic communication focusing on sustainability.